Hello, hello, Freedom Fighters. Can everyone hear me okay and see me okay? Type in the chat and let me know. We've got special guest Goro here tonight joining us. Hello, Goro, and welcome. Hey, Christina. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. Welcome to the show. Uh, very excited. We've got an interesting topic, uh, all to do with property, as we normally are on this show. Uh, but, Goro, now you specialise in NDIS. That's right. So more specifically, specialist disability accommodation. Um, so people call it NDIS, but it's actually SDA, which is only a small subset of people on the NDIS. Right. And I have to ask, what does the NDIS stand for? The NDIS stand for National Disability Insurance Scheme. Okay. And SDA stands for Specialist Disability Accommodation. So when people are talking about property in NDIS, they're really talking about specialist disability accommodation. Right, I see. And now's a good opportunity to get your questions in nice and early because we've only got a short time here together tonight. So we want to make sure we answer as many of your questions as possible. But um, it was really interesting because I don't know if all of you know, but I'm actually streaming from India. And Goro, you mentioned. <laughs> yes. We, we've switched places. We have the Indian in Australia and the Aussie in India. Like, uh, how does that work? We, we switched That's places. hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So, yeah, coming to you live from India, and that's the beauty of technology, really. You know, you can be in Australia and connect. I can be in India, and it's still like we're basically sitting across from each other, just, you know, having a nice little chat. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Yep. So uh, we are discussing the top five things to know about NDIS. So, Goro, I'll let you take the floor and start with your number one thing out of those five that everyone should know about NDIS because it's a fascinating thing and I often hear it, the word bounced around. And I think there's a lot of preconceived ideas about how it might be like easy to make money or, you know, there's different things involved. And I really want to get like the inside scoop from you here tonight. Yeah. Well, in, in summary, it's complicated, right? Um, that's the easiest way for me to explain it. Just really briefly about my background, those that haven't watched previous um, webinars that, you know, George and I have done together over the last seven years, uh, I've delved right deep into NDIS and 80 to 90% of the work I do in the property space is all NDIS based in terms of specialist disability accommodation. And I also own Victoria's largest privately owned accommodation provider for people on the NDIS. That's a specialist disability accommodation provider um, known as Empowered Livability. And we were one of the first privately owned organizations ever to build the NDIS for SDA ever. Wow. So this, this this is the background before people go into it because there's mm -hmm. going to be some stuff that people go, yep, yeah, that's cool, I understand, and some stuff that you and I are going to share that they go, holy crap, um, we didn't know it was like that. And mm -hmm. in a nutshell, um, the number one thing that people should know, if done the wrong way, it's probably going to be one of your worst mistakes ever in terms of property, but if done the right way, it could be one of your most profitable ventures. Mm, right? There's okay. a risk reward and it's definitely not recommended for a first-time investor. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, really glad you mentioned that because uh, often a lot of people get confused and they think, you know, oh, something looks awesome, you know, it's going to be simple, but there's never a straight line to success. Everything always takes a lot of due diligence, hard work, and there's usually that barrier to entry, which brings me to my question. Um, on average, what sort of a deposit do you need to get started with NDIS? Well, it's changed a lot since our last podcast that we had um, or last live okay. that we did. Um, it used to be Charlie, you know, 30% plus, but now we're mm -hmm. seeing anywhere from 15 to 20% deposits plus stamp duty with this wow. lenders that are now SDA specific that will allow us to borrow. But obviously not all lenders will do it. There are only some lenders. That's why you need to go to a good broker to find that kind of lender that will allow you to borrow. But yeah, right. that's all 15 to 20%. Okay, so from a dollar perspective, what's a typical cost of one of these houses? Um, every location is different, uh, but we find most properties range from that seven fifty all the way to one point three million, um, depending on what we're buying, how much income we want to get. Mm -hmm. So, so if we're averaging, yeah, yes. let's say a million dollars. Let's go and meet in the a million dollars, and so you need about two hundred and fifty access to about two fifty k. Wow, yeah. So that's a lot of money you need to get yeah. started with one of these projects. So I can see why you're saying, you know, uh, you want to have a, a few like bread and butter, simple sort of mum and dad um, investment properties under your belt, so you can learn the ropes and know what you're doing, and then tackle the larger, bigger. Wales, I guess, like NDIS investment, yeah. because you need a considerable deposit to even get started. That's right. That's right. Yeah, interesting. And you mentioned obviously there's a bit of a risk involved. Um, if we can just open up that can of worms a little bit more and explore what that means, what sort of risks are we talking about when it comes to this investing? Well, if someone's trying to sell you a property, and it's an NDIS property, and that's what their focus is. Yeah, you're buying from the wrong person, right? right. There are only um, there are only very few NDIS tenants, and I've actually got. If you bear with me, I've got the data here, and that'll back up. There's a reason yeah. why I'm about to say what I'm about to say, and I really want to be data backed, right? Because Absolutely. data will allow us to make the right decision. So people think there's hundreds of thousands of people with the funding. There's actually very few. Right. Um, so according to 2022 um, August data, uh, sorry, end of 2022 data in New South Wales, there was only 7,300 residents with the funding. Victoria, there's only 6,600 at the moment. That's about 7,100, by the way. Queensland, 3,400 across all of Queensland. Right. South Australia, your home state, right? We're talking about two and a half thousand participants with the funding. So the funding is quite limited and it's only for a certain amount of people right right that being said if you're building a house and there's 50 other houses with sda close by which is one of the risks when you're buying from just a pure sales agent who doesn't have the participants best interests in mind then you're not going to fill the house and you're not going to get any money this there is no income if the house is empty i don't care what rental guarantee someone's trying to give you it's not even worth the paper it's written on you need a tenant paying you the rent to get the income right well, you need the tenant in the house and then the government funds the rent effectively. Right. So you've really got uh, two pillars there, yes. not just the one. Yep, yep. Okay. That's right. And, and so you need to deal with a reputed SDA provider um, mm -hmm. in the middle and not just a sales agency that's trying to sell you the property. That is the key. Do your due diligence on the provider first rather than who's trying to sell you the property. 
Got it. You've actually covered one of my questions, which was around, you know, how does the NDIS funding model work? What are the key factors that impact an investment decision within this framework? So you've mentioned a really good point that uh, it's very limited. Is there like a criteria that you have to meet for the government to be able to go, okay, you've got my stamp of approval. Now we're going to make sure that you've got properties that meet our standards so they're compliant. Therefore, you get the government incentives. So there's, there's two things. Uh, number one, the participant has to have a certain level of disability, which is they have to have what they call complex needs, right? Um, right. Whether that's physical or psychosocial. We, mm-hmm. in general, don't like the psychosocial, what they call robust in general to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. There are some concerns there. That's a, that's a can of worms that'll take a few hours to explain. But it yeah. basically, in a nutshell, robust isn't suitable at the moment for most investors. That's right. why even funds, because I do work with quite a few funds like Macquarie Bank, um and 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 the like there um Mm. even they say don't bring us robust properties and there's a reason if a fund saying don't bring us these properties why Mm. should you as a mom and dad investor invest in those properties right Mm. um that's number one but the other thing is so the participant needs the funding then the house needs to be compliant now here's the other risk there's another point i want to bring up a lot of people go oh the house is compliant it should be able to get people with disabilities in there it might be compliant, but it's not functional, right? Right. So there's two different boxes that need to be ticked. Not only two different boxes that need to be ticked, but we need to go over and above the ticking is what I'm trying to get through. Because if you just do the bare minimum, I mean, Christina, let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy living in the bare minimum hotel room, two-star hotel room, or do you like living in a four or five-star hotel room? Oh look, it's it's got to be up there, absolutely. The two star stars. The hotel room. <laughs> Guess what? And that's what's happening in the industry right now. Wow. People are, people are buying properties saying they comply because the builders say they comply, and it's mm-hmm. the equivalent of a two star hotel room. Wow. Why would you give someone that, from ethical point of view, why would yeah. you have someone with a disability spend their lives in inferior accommodation? Mm. So just to build on that. Um, that understanding, how would you know the difference between like a two-star NDIS versus a five-star? And obviously the five-star is going to be higher quality. It's going to have um, more care, better craftsmanship, better workmanship. It's going to cost more to build. I was going to say it's obviously going to be more expensive because you get what you pay for, right? Yes, that's right. So, for example, when we work with builders, we, we only do custom build. Right. Right. Well, it, like honestly, this is not a volume builder play. Um, so if you're dealing with someone that deals with a volume builder that does 50 other building types, it's probably not the right thing. Um, there are SDA providers. It's just a matter of I, I see a question there. Um, the SDA provide basically how do we find the right type of build? If someone's selling to you, ask who the SDA provider is and call the SDA provider. Going, I'm talking to this this and this person. Are they building to your standard where you know you can tenant the house? Yeah. Right? The SDA provider is basically like the property manager. If the property manager doesn't like the house, the the builder can build whatever they want because it complies to standard. Got it. We've had a few questions come through. Left field question, what happens if an incoming new government comes in and scraps NDIS program? What happens then? I, I really like that question because I get that question all the time. So a um, couple of things, NDIS is supported by both sides of politics and it's not 
scrapping the NDIS. There's no way that it's not an easy way to scrap a whole disability system for over half a million Australians, right? Yeah. They could taper it off, but the way accommodation would work is, and there's there's already grandfathering agreements for other types of accommodation. We know we had a thing called NRAS a while ago, and that got grandfathered out. Now, in order to do that, there's a 20-year, your house is compliant for 20 years. If they want to turn off the tap, they'll stop approving more residents, but they can't stop the funding of existing residents. Of Imagine course. the government trying to make her residents homeless. That's what would happen. So, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. And look, I know, I know the shadow minister of NDIS is a good friend of mine. Um, he's also, you know, he's from the Liberal Party. He also opened up one of our houses, so we we know him really well. He is fully in support of NDIS, um, and I'd say both sides of politics at the moment really support the NDIS in various shapes. Yeah, it would have a catastrophic outcome if they were. And obviously, let's say worst case scenario, even if they did, like you said, there'd be a grandfather period. It wouldn't just be overnight, bang, no more, done, finished forever. It would be like a 20-year rollout. Yes. Um, but I can't imagine the government ever doing that because, yeah. number one, it wouldn't be productive to society. Number two, like you said, we don't want homeless people. Absolutely yes. not. That's, that's not going to help society. It's not going to help Australia as a whole. It's going to cause a whole host of other problems, which why would they do that? It's just not common sense. But, exactly. You know, Half a million Australians. So you never know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you've obviously mentioned STA quite a bit, Goro, but for those who have just recently joined us, we've got a few people going, what's STA? What's SDA? Yeah, so, I meant to, so it may sound with my accent, I'm saying T, but I mean D. <laughs> Sorry, there is a thing called short-term accommodation. I'm not going to cover that. That's another can of worms. We, That's another we, topic we, for another day. Specialist disability accommodation. That's S-D-A. D-A. Specialist yes. disability accommodation. Yes. There you go. Yep. And okay. every state has good SDA providers. Don't just go with do your due diligence. Find out who the directors of the SDA provider are. Find out who the directors of the company that's trying to sell you the property are. Do that level of due diligence because, honestly, it's not like buying an empty property. Industry vacancy rates, um, this is this is going to shock some people. Actually, Christina, do you know what the industry vacancy rate is? Let me have a guess. I'm just going <laughs> to throw a ballpark figure out there, and I've got no idea, but is it 50%? It's thirty to fifty percent. You 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 you're on the ball, right? Wow, and there you go. This is the thing with overdevelopment by volume builders who have built the houses in the wrong locations. This is could be, you know, this this is the wow. issue. Wow, and that's a supply and demand issue. So they're building the properties in the wrong areas. Is that yeah. what it comes down to? Yeah, I mean, for example, I'll give you a Melbourne example. Um, yeah. In the suburb of Wyndham Vale, Tarnit, Melton, these areas, I know one particular builder that's got like 10 on every street. Wow. Right? Those houses are never going to be filled because, A, they're part of my French, but they're pretty shit. Um, <laughs> they're the two star <laughs> standard. Yeah, they're, 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 they're two star and they're built for psychosocial disabilities. So they're also right. when you put 10 of those right next to each other. Um, that's not really. I think that's really unethical what they've done, and mm-hmm. and unfortunately the investors have lost out. They've been on the news recently wow. uh, because of that. 
Um, and so you really need to deal with almost like a company that's more participant focused. And my my hashtag in life in, in what I do with anything in business is do good and make money, right? Mm. So mm. do good. Focus on the participant first. What's going to be the best for the participant? Find a company that focuses on that and then you'll make profit, right? Between my dad and I, we own over 13 of these and we're still building more personally that we're, we're owning ourselves in, in, in various structures, et cetera, right? So this is still for us something we continue to invest in. Yes, the vacancy rate industry-wise might be 30 to 50%, but as a company, we have zero vacant houses. As it is, that's the difference between a bad SDA provider and a good SDA provider, 0% vacancy versus 50% vacancy. Yeah, wow. It's like yeah. night and day. I'm just shocked at those um, statistics. That is crazy, and it's fascinating to hear about the difference in quality. Like, there's so many nuances, and you really want to make sure that when you do something, you want to get it right and make sure that you know you've got all of that figured out ahead of time because that's so important. So, I think we've got about time for one more of your points, Gora. We might have to come back and do a part two. <laughs> we might. We might. <laughs> Absolutely. So I mean, I've covered so much here. And look, Charmaine's actually got a really good question. Absolutely. Um, question. I really can answer that. And have got good rentals, but what about capital growth? Now, the way we look at capital growth is a combination of commercial and residential. Yes. Right? Um, I don't know. This is, this is almost like a residential, pro a commercial property in a residential shell. That's how I look at it. That's how right. I look at it. It's a bit of a property. spork. It's a spoon right. and a fork. Yeah, it's a spork, right? It's a spork. It's a spork, right? Um, Commercial and residential, like. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know that that could exist. When we first created this, we, we were looking for commercial returns on residential property. Those that invest in right. commercial know that you get paid more, right? Now, mm. if, if, now, I can only speak about what we do. I can't speak about what others do, right, in terms of growth. We find our properties are underpriced commercially. Residentially, they're over the above market, but commercially, we have instant equity built into ours. So the smart wow. investors, the ones that know what they're doing, are able to invest in the first property and literally use no more money to piggyback onto the second one as soon as the first one's completed. Mm -hmm. Right? No. So there is a smart way to do it, yeah. but you need to understand the difference between commercial and residential and be ready to play in a hybrid space between them. Right. So that sounds complex in itself. Yes. Yes. So it's not a new investor product. Honestly, if you, most people, it, the per, my perfect client for this kind of investing is, you know, typically third or fourth property purchases. Right. Yeah. 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 So you want to have considerable investments behind you before even considering this sort of investment because, like you said, it's high risk, high return, but you need to make sure that you know what you're doing in order to get to that success. Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting returns of after management fees, um, 12 to 15% every single day of the week. Rental. Yeah, nice. Which is great. Um, for most people, that you know, one or two of those properties could set you up financially free, but it needs mm -hmm. to make sure that it's done the right way. And just like you guys do as mentoring with your team, um, yeah. which is so valuable. Um, it's the same thing that, you know, whoever invests in NDI's property needs to do the research on who they're dealing with. 
Absolutely. Always do due diligence. Make sure you know who you're dealing with 100%. That's what it comes down to and it's as simple as that, you know. Two-star versus five-star. You know the difference. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us here tonight, Gora. I really appreciate you. appreciate the time. Um, Like I said, we'll have to get you back for a part two because there's so much more that we need to cover. But we have run out of time. Definitely more cans of worms to open up there. (laughs) Thank you so much. We've got to head on over to our private group now. So we will say goodnight and see you on the flip side. See you guys later. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye.